0: Well, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's open to the book of Matthew chapter 9. I want to read something that will go down to that um, Zechariah chapter 9 also. Let's begin with Matthew chapter 9. Now, let's start from verse... um, Okay, let's just start from verse 18. Now, while he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and began to follow him; so did his disciples. That's not what I want to talk about. I'm just taking it in context. Where we're going is verse 20. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him, and touched the fringe of his cloak. Please pardon me to refer to use the expression that we all know: the hem. Of his garment. This is a modern translation, which I believe in using modern translations. And uh, recently, and you've seen our next magazine. They said the one I'm even using is one of the most, in fact, they said the most accurate. All right. So I like using New American Standard Bible. But, but there's some beauty to some age-old expressions, you know, like the hem of his garment. Once you hear it, you know the story. You don't even know all of us have hems in our garments, but <laughs> once you hear it, only there's only one hem, only one garment, only one person. And only one woman. Are you getting me? So that's why I don't want us to lose that. And if I was the one that translated this, I would have retained hem of his garment. So if I may be, so he said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. Let's go back, he said, and touch the fringe of his cloak. Doesn't sound nice. <laughs> we'll manage it. Now verse 21. For she was saying to herself, notice that. For she was saying to herself, this was what she believed, and she was saying it within her heart. If I only touch his garment, I will get well, I shall be made whole. But Jesus, turning and seeing her said, daughter, ah, no, this is not the one I like. Luke chapter 8 contains the same narrative, but um, Mark chapter 5, yes, that is better. Now, for time's sake, we're just going to start from verse 25. He said, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, or she said within herself, we've seen that from other um, accounts. If I touch his garments. In fact, that, for she's thought, the literal uh, Greek there is, for she was saying. Are you getting my point? For she was saying, if you get a literal translation, it says, for she was saying. It was something she was saying to herself. It was something she said in conversation to people. It was something that she believed and she held on to. For she was saying, if I touch His garment, I will get well. He said, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, now notice this, verse 30. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you are still asking us such a silly question. Now they didn't say that. I'm the one that just adding what they may have been thinking. Are you getting my point? Now just imagine what is going on. Everybody's trying to squeeze through that door. And then they say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. There's nothing like, are yeah, you getting my point? And be very, very careful when the Lord asks a question. Many times it's not what looks obvious. That is asking for wait. He doesn't ask a question that an average person would just answer like that. Are you getting me? You need meditation to answer his question. He came to Peter and said, do you love me more than this? He opened his mouth. Ah, I love you. He asked him again. He asked him a third time. Changing, changing the word in Greek slightly. But anytime the Lord is asking you questions like that, don't just open your mouth and answer. Go home and go and Pray. When they ask a question, say, Lord, I'm coming. Then you go and pray. This is what they asked. You meditate before you come and answer. They say, let us sit on your left and your right. They say, are you able to drink the cup <coughs> that I'm about to drink? Instead of just trying to say, okay, let's go home and think about it. Or what cup? Describe the cup. They just open their mouth and say, we are able. How can you be able to do what you don't know? And that just by the way. So anytime the Lord is asking a question, you have to meditate before you give an answer. So he asked a simple question. It appeared like, who touched my garment? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, yet you are asking us, who touched me? And he turned around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Daughter, your faith is a limiting factor in this situation, but you have released your faith and you have activated power so great that it stopped me in my tracks. I hope you're getting my point. Now, how did Jesus know that power had gone out of him? I don't know for sure. But I suspect that this has just suspicions. Are you getting me? I suspect that he wanted to move. And movement did not happen. So he paused for a while. He felt drained of energy all of a sudden. You understand? He had to gather himself. Uh, it's as if assuming you were running. and you know, when you finish running, you pause and then you're catching your breath. And they say, Move again. You say, wait, let me rest a while. Imagine that feeling coming on you in an instant. That's what I'm thinking happened to him. Or possibly. I mean you've been around when um during dry season. You know, you go and rub your hand. I don't know about you. My car, dry season, I don't like touching it. I've tried all kinds of methods. So I ensure that it doesn't shock me. It shocks me a lot. So the other one I come down from my car, I don't touch the car, I first go and touch a wall. And that works very well. If I come down from my car, before I touch any metal, I touch a a wall. All right. Allowing the ecstatic that has built up to discharge slowly into the wall. All right. Uh-huh. Now imagine when you touch something, don't somebody, a spark <laughs> jumps out of you. Now, I've not, ever, I've never really had that feeling. I don't think so. That is concerning spiritual things, but I've had many testimonies concerning it. So what I suspect is that the woman touched Jesus and a spark jumped and he shocked the Lord. Are you getting my point? Jones, he felt something discharge rapidly out of him. And he said, somebody touched me. Somebody has made a demand on the power of God as resident in my being. And we of course, what happened. It was a woman, indeed, that touched him. And she, of course, he made that connection. And power flowed out of the Lord Jesus Christ into her body. And she was made whole. Essentially, the power of God was released from inside him. Into her when she now please follow my point now. When she had already generated, can I speak small science? A negative force inside her so that the positive energy inside him had to flow. Do you get my point? How did he she generate that energy? I want to explain that one to us in our teaching today on this issue of the release of power. That is she made herself able to receive the power that was in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must understand this particular situation. Unlike most other situations, Jesus did not know anything was going on. There was no, no no request was made to him. Nobody discussed what was going on with him. In this particular one, you see he was on his way to go and pray for somebody else. If you back up, you see a little girl was sick and um, had even died. At that point, she was at the point of death and they requested Jesus to come and lay his hands on her. So she was she was going to go there and consciously do something. But in this situation, now notice that. In that situation, he was going to consciously do something. In this particular one, he was not consciously doing anything. Everything depended on this woman herself. So in that situation, Jesus, now please uh, just follow with this, we generate a high dose of power and push it in to that girl that was sick. But in this particular one, the young, the woman, you know, that was young or old, but this woman had generated a vacuum inside her created such a negative suction energy that the moment he, she touched Jesus Christ, even if He was sleeping, she would have gotten well. She did not need any prayer from Him. She would have run away, and nothing—I mean—and they would be looking for her. Only Jesus would say, "Peter, see that girl running there? She's the one." And then she still would have gotten well. It was her action, her—you know—her faith that generated a state in her that was pulling on the power that was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, please follow that. It's very, very important. We um, bear that in mind. Let's go to another scripture. I'm going to come back to this in a moment. I just want to bring out something here. We did a teaching here some time ago. can't remember when, but I just remembered it today, just now before I stepped up. Zechariah chapter 9. We are going to read some bits. Let me see where we are going to start from. Let's just start from verse 1. I'll read New Living Translation. This is the message from the Lord against the land of Aram and the city of Damascus. For the eyes of humanity, including all the tribes of Israel, are on the Lord. Doom is set in Hamas near Damascus. And for the cities of Tyre and Sidon, though they are so clever. Tyre has built a strong fortress and has made silver and gold as plentiful as dust in the streets. But now the Lord will strip away Tyre's possessions and hurl hurl its fortifications into the sea. And it will be burned to the ground. The city of Ashkelon will see Tyre fall and will be filled with fear. Gaza will shake with terror. As with Ekron, for their hopes will be dashed. Gaza's king will be killed, and Ashkelon will be deserted. Foreigners will occupy the city of Ashdod. I will destroy the pride of the Philistines. I will grab the bloody meat from their mouths and snatch the detestable sacrifices from their teeth. Then the surviving Philistines will worship our God and become like a clan in Judah. The Philistines of Ekron will join my people, as the ancient Jebusites once did. I will guard my temple and protect it from invading armies. I am watching closely to ensure that no more foreign oppressors overrun my people's land. Now as a result, notice the next prophecy. Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look! Your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nations. realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates. A you river to the ends of the earth. Now I need to just switch my translation slightly. Oh no, let me continue reading. Where did I stop now? Huh? Ten, okay. Eleven. Now please notice this. Because of the covenant I have made with you, sealed with blood, I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless dungeon. Now, it said, come back to the place of safety. Verse 12. All you prisoners who still have hope, I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Judah is my bow and Israel is my arrow. Jerusalem is my sword. And like a warrior, I will brandish it against the Greeks. I just need to stop reading here. Verse 13. All right, the Lord is good. Now, uh, let me just pick one particular verse here because I read a lot. I just need to break that verse 12 again. New, living, uh, New American Standard says, Return to the stronghold, O prisoners who have the hope. This very day I am declaring I will restore double to you. That is, for everything you have lost, I am going to give you two back. That's what um, um, New Living Translation makes clear to us. Now, why did I read all of this? You see, now let me just really explain something. At that particular point, when this prophecy was coming forth, you can easily imagine that the world powers that time, okay, that had all the power, but they were mostly in, um, of course, Syria, that is, um, Aram, you find here. You see the prophecy going forth, and even the Philistines had power. Now, when you are referring to this, you are talking about the context of the people of Israel. So God was not saying to them, I am going to overturn all these powers. I am going to remove the power that's oppressing you. And I'm going to establish a new order in things. Now, at this point, the people were in captivity. At, the, at this point, the people are under oppression. But God was not saying something to them. Now, please, which is why I'm talking about it? The matter of hope. He talks about prisoners who still have hope. Why I said I'm convinced that this is a special word of God for today is because of what... um and the prayer we were praying earlier, when we were talking about um, people who you know, are committing suicide and stuff like that. Now, first, let me explain the meaning of the word hope again. It's like my pet project. You understand? As a preacher, there are things that are like my pet, you know, projects. I have a number of them. One of them is explaining to people that God does not bless you. You know, an no, example no, like this: You don't give to God because you want Him to multiply it is a waste of time. He's not, a, he's not a computer. You key in some certain monies and then something will not come out. That's not how God behaves. Some of my projects, to explain to Christians the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus, the righteousness of God, which is by faith, we explain that. But I'm not saying Christians don't do good works. I'm saying that their good works, if it's being done for what they are going to get, does not get anything. It has to be a reflection. I'll talk about it again today if I can get there. It has to be a reflection of what they really believe. That has be a reflection of what they know that the character of God inside them is dictating. For example, Christians are givers. They don't need to be begged to give. They may need to be stimulated. They may need to be reminded. But they don't need to be begged or cajoled to give. Why? Because naturally speaking, by virtue of the nature of God that is inside them, they are givers. I hope you're getting my point. So you may need to remind them you may need to teach them. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul used to do that He wrote to the, the, the Corinthian church and said, look, your brethren in Macedonia who are physically poorer than you, look at what they are doing and what about you? So he said, check how to provoke one another unto love and unto good works. That is one thing. That's one of my prayer projects. Okay? One of my prayer projects is to rediscover the word hope. Hope. Because for a long time, the body of Christ, we took the word hope and messed it up. We misrepresented it. We actually used to use expressions like the failure of the hoper. There are many of our books, you see the section title, the failure of the hopper. Hope, hope is a failure. Hope does not get it from God. Hope wishes for it, sees in a distance, and admires it, but does not get anything. But faith says it is now. Faith says it is now. Faith says it is now. So faith is what gets something from God. Hope never gets anything from God. That's what we say. It's not true. It's not like that. I heard it like that too. It was taught to me. But really, it is not so. In the Bible, hope is a very powerful thing. One of the things about the Lord Jesus Bible says that Gentiles will have their hope in Him. It's not a joke. From the Bible, hope is a product of faith. Without faith, there is no hope. It's not hope comes first, then we go and look for faith to give it substance. It's when we don't read Hebrews chapter 11 properly. That is when we say that. By faith, you understand? It said faith is the substance of things hoped for. So this is a misreading of it. We read it like this: faith is the substance of things wished for. That is or faith is the substance of things desired. The Bible didn't say so. What the Bible says is that faith is a substance of things hoped for that is if a man is expecting something the reason why he is expecting it is because of faith in what god has said to him do you understand my point so if you ask abraham he you said you'll be a father of many nations that was a hope the bible says in romans chapter 4 in hope against hope, he believed. That is, before that, why is say in hope against hope? Because hope always have a, must always have a reason. And when, when you find hope, you check the reason for the hope. And there's hope that is uncertain. Do you follow my point? That is, if it's based on circumstances, like Abraham's initial hope was based on circumstances. Do you understand that? It was not based on any promise from God. So he said, what do you give me, seeing that I go childless? And God now gave him another word. And that word said to him, Sarah will bear you a child. He said, and he believed God and it was counted to him for what? For righteousness. Now, because he believed what God said to him, a new hope was generated. So that's why I said in hope, against hope, he believed. That is, it's a new hope that came out of the word that God gave to him, which contradicts the former hope that was in his life. That's the meaning of the word hope. You don't look for faith to give hope substance. No. You can only have hope when you have information that you believe. And that's what we call faith. What do I call information? God comes to you and says something. That's why I read everything that we read in this um, um, Zechariah. We took a lot of time to read to give you an an idea of the kind of thing we are talking about. Let's look at um, this man again, Daniel. Daniel said, I, Daniel, understood by reading books, he was talking about Jeremiah, the number of years in which the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish the desolation of Jerusalem. And he said that's what? 70 years. He said, for that reason, I began to pray. Are you getting my point? That is, Daniel didn't start praying until he had hope. I hope you are getting my point. That was what happened. It was when the guy saw the word and said, ah. Uh-huh. He checks everything. It's about 70 years now. Why are we not yet delivered? So he went to God to go and activate the deliverance because God's word had promised that something is going to happen. Let me say something to you again. We don't live by wishes. That's not what believers do. And that is why a lot of faith we've been practicing over time, they did not work. You stand and look. Somebody drives a car past, and then you want to activate your faith to receive a car like his own. And God say, how is that your problem? What you are dealing with right now is covetousness. Nothing wrong with desire. You can desire the car, but taking it to prayer and sitting on it becomes covetousness. You can admire it. There are many things I see I admire. When I face the admiration, that's the end of it. We continue life. I've admired things like that, and they came to me. If <laughs> A point came in my life. I told my wife I have to be careful what I admire. Because sometimes... Somebody may be holding something and say, wow, this is beautiful. Where did you get it from? That's so nice. I hand it back to him and decide, oh, pastor likes it. Then he goes to buy and gives it to me. And as soon as he leaves, I say, please, who wants, who wants? Because admiring some does not mean I want it. I mean, just like you have a beautiful dress on you, a woman. I say, oh, lovely dress. Will you go and buy me one now? <laughs> <laughs> if I wear it, don't you think deliverance sessions will start? <laughs> so sometimes in life we can admire things. That's all I'm to explain, okay? But you see, when we not turn that desire to prayer point and focus on that is a material thing, it's nothing but covetousness. It's nothing but covetousness. So that's why we use a lot of our faith. And God is looking at us like, what is this guy's problem? You not say, whatever you desire, listen to me. He said, if abide in me, if my words abide in you, the word of God inside you generates desire. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It does, it does, and that's what God responds to. It generates something. You know, there are times you read your Bible. Ah, ah. You say somebody laid a hand on the sick and they recovered. Ah, ah. Or somebody, you know, prayed for the sick. Ah, Jesus said you shall lay hands your hands on the sick. Are you seeing my point? You do you, you don't have a minute. you don't have you, you didn't go to medical school. It's not as if healing is your calling. I don't know. Are you getting my point? You're just reading your Bible one day. And you say, how come everybody has been sick around? They have that operation, has operation, taking medicine and medicine, or dying, and then we are here. We say we are Christians. Can you see what I'm talking about now? What generated that desire? The word of God. Interacting with God's word. That is the kind of thing you now take to God in prayer. And you say, ah, look at it too. Good morning, sir. Dear Lord, I was reading my Bible like this. In fact, I heard the story. T- true story. You no, know, confirmed here and there. Benson when he became a Christian those days in the seventies, one day he was reading his Bible and he found out that uh, greater works than the they do those who believe. That Christians can raise the dead. Jesus was raising the dead and he said greater works. So he went and met the man who taught him the Bible. Is this thing true? The man said it's true. But have you raised the, the raised the dead? The man looked like which kind of trouble is this one? This man is putting me to now. The Archbishop of Daosa took his bicycle and began to ride around Benin, knocking doors. Did anybody die recently? And finally, go to a house. People were crying. He said, "What is the problem?" He said, "One girl just died." They said, "Praise God." Are you getting my point? Now, where did that come from? It's from reading the scriptures. It wasn't like he was just walking on the road, say, "The dead, the dead, the dead." What will happen to the dead? No, he was in his Bible. I said, ah, if this thing is true, if this thing is true, why are we not experiencing it today? That's, that's the kind of thing that becomes a prayer point. So that's what we believers do. Hope, you know, without having expectation. Prayer really is not effective. He said, avenge me of my adversaries. Jesus was teaching us how to pray. And the woman refused to go away. Why? Because she said, it's your job to avenge me of my adversaries. If you stop the stranger on the road and say, Avenge me of my adversaries, that one will look at you all right. You know that kind of thing. That is, the reason why she asked that judge is because this is your job. She had information. Let's take another example. You say a man came to his friend, said, Lend me three loaves. And that one refused to get up. And the friend refused to go. Two things. One, you know if you harass him enough, the loaves will come out. Number two, you know he has loaves. Then when you go to the house, Lend me three loaves. Say, come on for them, I never jump. They ask people loaves. <laughs> Asking for three loaves? Where am I going to get it from? In fact, when you find the three loaves, come back here. And let us share. <laughs> Let's take a portion from it. That is, when Jesus was using those express, in, uh, those illustrations, those parables, he was telling us something that you know the stuff is there. That's what we call hope. So hope is not there. Anyone that has hope will not succeed. It's uncertain. No, hope is a product of trust. It's a product of information. It's a product of something you know. And you know the veracity of it because of the person that gave you the information. That's what hope is. Hope just means that you have not yet seen that which God promised. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That is, you have not yet seen it. But spiritually, inside you, you've discovered it from scriptures. Your heart has absorbed and received it. Then I say, why am I not seeing it physically? That is what prayer now is. It is not that that is when your faith starts working. No, without faith, you could not have had hope in the first place. And that's why in life, don't let people take hope away from you. If you don't have to pray to sustain your hope, tell the Lord, God, please, I don't want to lose hope. In this life, let me have hope. God gives hope as a gift. Seriously. You know, we used to say things like, you can't pray for faith. After many years of studying the scriptures and teaching the Bible... I came to the conclusion you can pray for faith. You can. It's not the same. I am not saying when you finish praying for faith, you will now be very lazy, you won't read your bible. You finish praying for faith, you won't go to church. No. I am saying you can pray and say Lord, and say Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I think my faith is low. My faith is low. Help me let it increase. Once I heard a man teaching. He said no you can't pray for faith. He said, God, if it's your will to heal... The, I think the woman was sick or the man was sick. A couple anyway. One of them was sick. The other one was a man. So the man and his wife prayed that, God, if it's your will to heal the man, let us um, let us know. Reveal your will to us. And the man said, no, you don't pray for the will of God. You read your Bible and discover the will of God. I was into this message and I was smiling to myself. And also we a second prayer that... If, you want, if your will is that this man will be healed, increase our faith to be able to receive the healing. And they told the man that that's what they prayed. And the man laughed. Man of God. Anointed man. Teacher of the word. He said, no now. You cannot pray for healing. You can't pray for uh, the, 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 if it's God's will. So he took the Bible and showed them from the word of God that healing is the will of God. That is not a matter of prayer. You discover it from your scriptures. And I laughed to myself. You know why I laughed? Their first prayer has just been answered through his mouth. What was their first prayer? God, if it is your will, let us know. He, t- <laughs> he answered the prayer. Why telling them that is not a good prayer? I said, forget what you are telling there. You have answered it. Then he said, faith comes from the word. Then he showed them the word of God, that this is God's word. God is faithful, he's is trustworthy, you have to believe him. That's no, you don't pray for faith, you focus on the word of God, and faith comes. So he taught them the word of God. At the end of the day, their faith arose. <laughs> oh, oh, I like that laughter, you are getting my point. And that's how I laughed to myself, I said, sir, can't you see that God has answered both prayers, if, despite the fact that you were trying to explain to them, that these are not prayers to pray. God answered both of them through you. I'm convinced Christians can ask, God, don't let me lose hope. It's not a difficult... Look, if I pray, we know how God is. It's not a difficult prayer. Because if you lose hope in life, what you're believing God for will not happen. I hope you're getting my point. My is, a few years ago, my wife asked me this question. She was studying her Bible and then got to the matter of Daniel again. Three weeks, Daniel was waiting praying. pray. And an angel, an angel came and said the very first day, of course, Christians will say, you know, you pray, you know, so that until your answer comes. And so, you know, have to be in fasting for that period. Let's be careful what we are learning from what. Number one, when did God answer Daniel? Day one. The angel said that the very first day you began this activity, I was sent. So, my wife's question was this. We all know why it took three weeks, right? We may not fully understand it. Because you keep on asking, why did it take God three weeks to dispatch reinforcement so that that man can, well, that angel could pass through? There's a lot of answers for that. I know a bit of it. I don't claim to know everything. But I'm not going to discuss that now. Okay, because the guy was there. The angel was there for three weeks until reinforcement came. So why didn't God send reinforcement? Defense? Is it that God did not know that there will be trouble on the way? So there must have been a reason why it took three weeks for reinforcement to arrive. There must have been a reason, but that's not what we're discussing. The discussion now is my wife asked me that day, What if Daniel had left that place? What if Daniel had stopped praying? After all, the angel said, The first week, the first day you were heard. the first day I was sent, there were just problems on the way. There were problems on the way until reinforcement came to clear the problems for me. So my wife, my wife asked me that day, What if Daniel had left? That was the first time I was thinking about it. We have spending a lot of time talking about the fact that I waited for three weeks. We didn't ask her. I said, what if I had left the first week? What if I had left after two two weeks? That was when I thought about it. I said, ah, good question. But I think I got the answer. Would India have turned back? Well, let me answer it like this. Most likely, yes, possibly. Why? Because then I was not here the first day. No, that's not why. It's because Daniel will have lost hope. That will be the only reason why he will have left that place. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's a loss of hope that will have made him leave, And because of that loss of hope, that reinforcement will not have come. You must understand the way spiritual things work. It's persistence of faith. And there are certain ways that the Spirit kept on giving him that he kept on praying with. That persistence of faith and the prayers that went with that persistence of faith, which is what we call patience, works together so that the Lord had to release reinforcement in the third week. So if the man had stopped in the second week, that's what, that's what I want you to understand. It's not about the mechanical action thing. We wait for three weeks. It is that the man will have stopped only because he lost hope. And is that loss of hope we are talking about. And once people lose hope in life, and listen, these things we see, you see was like hope, faith, and all of that, they are spiritual substances. Sometimes they can be snatched away, so to speak. Sometimes spirits come, like you were saying earlier, these days, you know, when I was a, when I was a student on campus, our professor at that time, Professor Binite, a psychiatrist, he, he, he wrote scientific papers on it and explained that Africans rarely commit suicide. That paper is more than 30 years old. Maybe getting close to 40 years. And it was speaking based on facts. But these days, things are, they seem to be changing. Do you know why? It's simple, like you were saying earlier. These are spiritual operations. They are spirits. They are spirits. They are spirits. You must understand. They are spirits. And these spirits, how do these ones fly around? This one, they fly around. Now, what I want to say, some people may disagree, but as a matter of fact, they fly around through Facebook and Instagram and um, WhatsApp. Yes. You must understand that sprays ride on words. So words and pictures, things you focus on, that's what they ride with. It's not the technology that's the problem. It's that words are being delivered into your home. Pictures have been delivered into your home. That's a matter of fact. I like good movies, alright? I'm not saying it's wrong, it's wrong to watch movies. But when I start watching the movie, when I start killing people, I just shut I you know I shut down. I can't, I don't enjoy it anymore. Once ah, there was one there's one particular English actor I saw. You know, most of the time I stumble into them. Maybe I, I travel, you know, you just put on the TV in the hotel where you're staying, a movie channel. Once they start shooting, you know, I just lose, I just lose interest. I just lose interest. Sometimes in my house, just put on TV. What are they doing? They're shooting. Must you shoot this much, you know? <laughs> there was a film that my wife said, this would we really like to shed blood. We just got tired. I just shut the thing down. Now, those things are not really innocent. That's why I do this. The WF Kumuyi banned TV in homes. He called them what? The devil's box. A that, I like the European expression. <laughs> he called them the devil's box. Of course, now we know it doesn't have to be devil's box. It can be Roman road. It can be a Roman road. You be careful what you do with it. But I'm convinced what I'm telling you. That these spirits you see flying around these days, they ride mostly on Facebook, Instagram. They don't use emails. Nobody gets time for email. It's WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram. And let let me just quickly say something to you again. Now, I was saying that hope can be snatched. Yes, this phrase they take hope. They just go, this guy has a lot of hope. Go and take it away from him. They come there, they fight for the fellow's hope. And when they're fighting for it, you must understand this. You know, many years ago, I watched an episode of um, Touched by an Angel. I don't know many of you remember Touched by an Angel. So, So the angels said they were going for spiritual warfare. So, and this is the TV I said, Okay, nice. I would like to see how they want to depict spiritual warfare. I know in Touched by an Angel, whoever was writing that script, I don't know whether they understood God gave her or she was afraid. They didn't used to do serious things. You understand my point? You know, if you, if you read Frank Peretti, you know what spiritual warfare should be like, you know. But this one wanted to see what it would be like. Then the devil showed up, like maybe one or two of his demons. And these two angels showed up with one man pretending to be an angel. And it was an interesting episode. And it don't mean that they, either deliberately or by accident, they perfectly depicted spiritual warfare. They just stood and started talking. If it was Frank Peretti's, uh, what they call, uh, this present darkness and piercing the darkness, they would pull out their swords. And they begin to clang, 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 clang in the spirit. Are you getting my point? <laughs> but this was just two then they began to talk. And I said, I told my wife, wow, wow, they got it right. They were exchanging words. They were exchanging words. I said, wow, they got it right. This is true spiritual warfare. Forget the sword side. This is spiritual warfare. The sword of the spirit is what? The word. In the, when you're fighting spiritual warfare, there's nobody the drawing a sword. And I remember when we were children. I grew up in Western Nigeria. I don't know about you. Did they have juju in this part of the country? (laughs) Those days. (laughs) But Western Nigeria, those days, drama, everything we watched in schools, everything, the plays, stage plays, all of those things, the theaters, they were, they normally depict, you know, cultural things and all of that. And every time, you know, no Chinese films will end with the, what we used to call as children, the actor. And the bulls, you understand? Good. Uh-huh. <laughs> the first time I realized everybody there was an actor, I so how can all of them be actors? So I'm an actor now? Are you getting my point? Okay. And every Chinese film ends with a fight, a dramatic fight between the, okay, let, let's, for those who don't understand what we're talking about, let's say the hero, all right, and the bad guy. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. But for us, it was the actor and bulls. Uh-huh. Good. Every, every Chinese movie ended with that. Remember that? And yeah, that's what you are waiting for. Normally, the actor will have, okay, the hero will have been injured earlier, will have escaped narrowly, and will have gone into the jungle where will be trained by a snake and a monkey and you know, stuff like that. He will now show show up again as a snake and monkey shadow, you know. <laughs> They are kind of, they will not start fighting and they fight and fight and fight and fight and of course actor they die. How can actor die? It's not possible. <laughs> now in Yoruba theaters those days it was the other it was something like that, but always there's always a dramatic you no know, fight or encounter between the hero and the villain. Thank you. So that, that one actor and the boss. But this is the point. That's what I'm talking about it. They did not fight with their hands. They did not fight with swords. They fought with incantations. They fought with incantations. When you see them, look, these guys were, you know, they should win Nobel Prizes for their poetry. And just by the way, you know one of the reasons Wole Soyinka won Nobel Prize? He took a lot of African words, you understand, uh, phrases and expressions, and Express them in English. And to the Englishman, it was dramatic. They never heard anything like that before. In fact, this man out there, what's her name? The June 12th man. M.K. Abiola. They love to hear M.K. Abiola speak. Because every question he asked M.K. Abiola, he answered you with a proverb. And once I remember, you know, I, I did my NYC when the election, we, we actually were electoral officers, our coppers that time, all right? Our batch of coppers. I remember when they announced the election, we used to listen to BBC because I was somewhere in Humbaraq, somewhere in the bush in Taraba State. So the only way we got communication was shortwave radio. So I have guys who used to tune it every evening. And you even know, they were impressed with him, Kabila, you know, who would speak. So they said, oh, by annulment, he said, no, you cannot annul the election. How do you abort a pregnancy after the baby has been born? You know, the BBC person, you know, they just get thrilled. He said, you can't shave my hair in my absence. You know, stuff like that. How do you shave my head in my absence? <laughs> the white man is not used to such things. So when Sholenka put a lot of things like that together, my God, you were impressed. You write things like, after that happened, he had a rapid discussion with his feet. It's an expression in Yoruba land. Say, well, best says sorrow. Talk to your feet. So uh, Sholenka will express it. He had a rapid discussion with his feet. And the white man was like, ah, oh, this guy is too intelligent. Just an African man that speaks English. (laughs) But it worked worked well for him. It worked well for him. All right? Now, what I'm going to say is this. So, those guys were very good at poetry. Fantastic. 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 What the kind of things they will recite, what they could memorize impresses me. Of course, now, it's not that it's impressing me. Those days, my classmates did it. After watching a few episodes, boys will stand in school and recite the whole thing. Boys will do it. But that was this real spiritual warfare. What they used to do? They used to exchange words. You give a man in Cartesian why he should die, and you give the history of his family why that would not work. Then you look at you, tell you the gods you are using, and tell you where they came from, where they are going to end. And you like, the historical facts, and that is warfare. They'll be talking with each other, exchanging words. Issuing commands, exchanging words. Why you are going to listen to me? It's because when the millipede did this one, if I told him this, and Obatala said this one, Ogun came in and told them like this. As a result, millipede died. Today, you die like the And the man will say, Ah, you forget. After millipede went down, he rose up again. Because at- the man who runs out first is the one that dies. <laughs> when your argument don't finish, you don't lose the... Supreme Court they Die, die by fire. <laughs> Supreme Court will say you should die by fire. (laughs) The Lord is good. What am I saying? Life is a battle of what? Those things are very spiritual. That's what life is a battle of words. When I want to take people's hope away, they put them on a chat group where they wake up every morning and explain to them why their future is bleak. They foolishly enter into Facebook and go to the, you know, the, to the walls of commentators who have, listen to me, there is nothing innocent out there. Mike Mundock said everyone that transmits information transmits his prejudice. It's a matter of fact. Everybody has an agenda. Whether he knows it or he doesn't, he's part of an agenda. There is nothing innocent out there. Information is not innocent. They say pictures don't lie, but they say captions do. Yes, pictures don't lie. Interpret the picture, let us see. And it's been shown, when you put, in fact, I, I read, I've read these studies, they put pictures down, show a, a, a child, this is in America, a white child on the floor, picking his books, and a black child behind him. They show to children, interpret the picture. They find out the older the children are, if they are white. The interpretation most of the time is that this black boy pushed that white boy down. But if it's a black boy, he looks at it and said, this, this guy tripped and fell, and this guy is watching him pick his books. The same picture, but prejudice. I'm not here to support anybody or to side or, you know, against anybody, but Ever since Donald Trump declared that he wanted to run for president in America, till he won the election till today, he's been in power now for over two years, I had to stop watching CNN. I had to stop because their prejudice, they couldn't hide it anymore. Everything had to be interpreted in such manner that Donald Trump is evil. Are they right? I don't know. Are they wrong? I don't know. But the fact is that that's what they do. You know, most people I know don't watch CNN anymore. Even those who don't like Donald Trump, they're tired. There was a time they showed us, you know, American economy was doing fantastically well. And I still remember that report on CNN that day. After they reported it, they said this is the result of the policy of the Federal Reserve Chairman who Donald Trump has been criticizing. Did you notice that? Nobody, there's no reason to believe that is a result of the policy of the Federal Reserve Chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, what to call Central Bank here. But they would not give the credit to the current administration for any reason. So they rewrote the script to show that this is a result of Central Bank policy. And they will now point out to you that, you see, Donald Trump has been criticizing them for weeks. Meaning that this economy is prospering despite his government. Not because of his governmental policy. But if that same economy had turned down, you know how they write it. That is why, once you fold me rubbish on WhatsApp, I don't read it. Because no matter what you want to say, hmm, there's prejudice. It's a Bang, you two are prejudiced. Of course, was I denying it before? My prejudice is great. My prejudice is big. But one thing I'm proud of is, he said, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast of his strength. Let him that boasts, boast in one thing that he knows me, that he understands me, that I'm the God who does justice. That is, that's my own prejudice. I read from you for you Nazareth chapter 9. We have read it. That has prejudiced me. So when you give me Islamic agenda information, I'm never scared. Why? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And like Massimo used to say, I have read the end of the story and they are not there. So you can tell me anything you like. It doesn't scare me. You are prejudiced, yes, but my prejudice... Prejudice means to prejudge. Do you get my point? I have prejudged the situation according to the words of the one who knows the end and has determined the end. Yes, I am prejudiced. And I'm not ashamed of it. When the Bible says that be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word mind, that's what it means. It didn't say be transformed by the renewal of your heart. Because you must understand the Bible, the word heart describes your thoughts. That is, what are you thinking about? What is the thing that is inside your heart? Those are your thoughts. What are your intentions? That's your heart matter. The Bible talks about the word being able to judge what? The thoughts and the intents or intentions of the heart. The mind is different. If you read the man like R.B. time, he felt that he feel, well, I don't know what I said alive, but he felt that mind and heart does not rightly express the Greek words. So he coined new words for them. What we call mind, he calls left lobe. What we call heart, he calls right lobe of the inner man. Let's not go into that, alright, but the man had an interesting way of teaching. But this is what, what mind means, okay? The mind is how you process information. The heart, let me put it like this. Your heart is, how many of us are computer literate? Most of us. And I, I know you can type, but you know how it works inside. The heart is the hard disk. Do you get my point? That's why you store a lot of information. You won't store your programs that are not working. But for anything you impute into your computer to make any sense to the system, it must be processed. Are you getting my point? So if I hit one square button on this thing, marked S, on the keyboard, marked S, if I press S, what does it do? Don't tell me because you probably tell me something that is wrong. Okay, Chooks, answer it. If I press S, what does it do? Uh, what was, what the system do? No, no, even you, I'm disappointed. You should know better than that, Chooks. There's something you first tell me. It depends on the program you are running. For some programs, when you click S, it means save. For a word processing program, S means type the letter S on the screen. If, normal Windows computer, if you're, if you're looking at your desktop and you press S, it starts selecting the icons that start with S. Are you seeing what I'm to say? So what does that impute? And it's the same impute throughout all of this. The difference in how they respond is the program that is what? Running. So, the Bible says, be transformed by the renewer of your program. The way your mind runs. So for example, if I have a business failure, that's an impute. What does it mean? It depends on the program you're running. If I run the Bible program, I'll say a righteous man fails seven times. See, it doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just means there's something I did that is wrong here. Or there's something the Lord wants me to learn. But it can never cross the mind of my app that I'm a failure. Why? Because indeed I'm the head and not the tail. Because baseline, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you try to process anything different, it hangs. We will shut down and reboot. Something is wrong. We will go and fast and pray. Something is wrong. You will never convince me that I'm a failure. So, how you process information is what Paul was writing when he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The renewal renewal of how you process information. I'm a young girl. I want to get married. And a guy shows up. Top to bottom. He looks good. Materially, his car it's an announcement in itself. Once they drive to the come by. Everybody knows who has come. They glitter everything. So that's, that's the input. That's a signal. We send it into the system. So now, the system, how does it interpret it? To so the average person, oh, girl, you are very lucky. Oh. You don't hammer. What else are you waiting for? All your poverty, over. All your struggles, over, but when we have double clicked on the icon running the Bible software, and our whole RAM has been taken over by Bible input, when that comes, we look at it. Say, what do you think, girl? Say nothing. Why? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. So this one is a no, not a zero. It doesn't mean I hate him. You understand? But it does not a plus. It's nothing. It's like a man came wearing a blue shirt or he came wearing a white shirt. Shirt na shirt. Are you covered? We thank the Lord for your life. Looking at you today, it's a henceforth with no no man after the flesh. See the way the program is running. That was all Paul meant when he said be transformed. How do you interpret things? That is why, look, this is not brag matter. I'm not bragging. You know, there are things, it's not like, I, when I was eating this morning, my food passed through my mouth and it entered into my, the back of the throat and then it was guided by the muscles and then as I was um, swallowing, you know, I channeled down to, through the esophagus into my stomach and it stayed there, praise God. Is that a bragging matter? That is what, what I want to say. That's why I have never in my life for one moment desired or thought about seriously living abroad, nothing wrong with it. But I have never been able to process the fact that it will make my life better. I'm not bragging for you because what is it? I mean, if you eat, the food goes into your stomach. Jesus said it like that. Now, are you getting my point? No, I'm not bragging. In fact, it amazes me when Christians eat and it comes out through their nose. What I mean, <laughs> what I mean is this: when they're like, "Ah, you've got an American visa," he praise God. I rejoice as much when someone shows that I finally got my Rwandan visa. You know, I won't lie to you now. Why would I lie to you? What am I gaining by lying to you? I still remember (laughs) when I came out of the American embassy. So, because of the way things were, you know, are in the American embassy, you can't go in with your gadgets and everything. So, of course, this time when I went to the Lagos, you know, consulate there, so my brother was going to pick me at the end of the day. So I told him that I'll call you. So he had my things. So, of course, I had this number written somewhere. So, when I came out of the embassy, well, the guys didn't they, they know, so they're hanging out to do their business. So, I just called one of the guys. I need to make a phone call. So, he understood. That kind of thing. They will gauge you how much. He said, no, guy anything. The reason is that it's a one-minute phone call. <laughs> just to tell my brother, hey, I'm done. Come and pick me up. Which, how much do you want to charge? The network starts a guy like, um, one minute. Yes, about, okay, six naira there about six naira. Okay, let's just say ten to make it easy. So if I make a one you can't charge me 10 naira, of course. You have to make a profit. And so if you want to make profit, maximum you will charge is what? 20 naira a minute or 15 naira a minute. <laughs> so when they look at you, yes, <laughs> sir, anything you like, give us. And usually, you, you respect yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Minimum, you part with there is 200 naira, 500 naira. So the guys are very smart. Once they just hand you the phone, you won't spend more than one minute. Now the point I'm making is it. So the man again his phone. And I said, congratulations. So I looked at him like, what? Well, I came out of the embassy. Can I use your phone? He said, congrats. So I looked at him like, what? He said, didn't they give you? I said, the visa? Yes. He said, it was granted. He said, that's what I'm telling you, congratulations. I just, did I didn't know how to answer him. What is? Listen, if they have said no, I would have walked back home. I wouldn't have felt bad at the money I spent. It's nothing. That particular visa, I used it for how many days? Okay, my wife had traveled before me. I just joined. I went for a program. At the end of one week, I was done. We are back in Nigeria, and they expired. I have never... No, I'm not am not explaining something, okay? I have never... T- you know, I've told this story many times. First time I went to the embassy, very first time. The lady looked at my passport, my... My bank balance and said and crossed her hand like this. And I asked her what is the problem? He said your bank balance I said, what happened to it. Says too low. I said, So. I said, I said you asked whether it's your salary account. And I said it is. I said they paid the money there. Bobo don't welcome. <laughs> Spend the money. And as God lives, I did it was not anything. No, I'm not lying to you. I remember that day, I keep on telling the story. It was when I was leaving my hotel room in the morning where I stayed in Abuja. That first time I went to the Abuja this thing. That was when I realized I've not I realized I've not prayed to God who hey, gave me this desire. What is it? I and I said, Ah, oh, God, I forgot to ask you for something. I really want to go for this course. What's your course? One month's course, thirty days. So please, I'm asking you for it. And of course he said, No problem. He granted it to me. Now, what am I saying of this is? I'm not listen, I was a young man when our salary was $70 a month equivalent. And I was flat broke. So when I see young people today, they say that country is rough. I always look at them and say, you've never seen a rough country. You've not seen. When I was young, you don't dream of buying cars. You know why? David said things too wonderful for me. I don't. Dream? If your father couldn't give you one? Even, you know, there are prayer points. Father and the name Father, in the name of Jesus, please. <laughs> we'll talk. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me to calm my soul down until the time we can pray about such things. There was no need. I'm a doctor. I made 6,000 a month. The decent car was 200,000 a Think about it. How many years am I supposed to save up the money to make up 200k? If I did not eat from my salary at all, at the end of the month, 72,000. At the end of the year. And then the second year is what? 144. So at the end of the third year of not eating from my salary again, I finally. <laughs> I had enough sense as a young man to know that it's not the will of God to do such things. I had enough sense. I had enough sense to know. What am I saying all of these things? Remember, I was with Facebook. And Twitter, uh, not Twitter, Instagram, and WhatsApp. I will start talking about processing. Yes. How, does, how do the spirits snatch away people's hope? That's what I'm talking about. They first come reprogram your system for you. Take the young men's system, reprogram them. Code what is wrong inside their hearts. Start telling them that a good money is better than Name. You know, I, see, I, I turn it around deliberately. The Bible says, what? A good name. They say good money is better than a name. They first put in their, their minds. That's what you need. Tell, last time I was in Benin, a young man came, I, I think I told the story here, I don't know. Last time I was in Benin, young man asked to talk to me. He told me that, somebody asked him to go and see me, see me actually, told me his life and everything. He was a campus fellowship president. And at the fellowship he, he, was, he was president in, there were over 1,200 on a, on a normal Sunday campus. And that they had money because they went to all these seed, 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 seed things. That people before him will live there as former president of campus fellowships, driving cars. I don't know whether he told me that somebody, but make a long story short. He, I know somebody had done it before, but he said he could do it. Take five million there. said, those guys end deep, their tenure. With five million in the account, most people here. For the work you have done, you have you have worked. You have you, you haven't come to kingdom Lord. You've worked. The only thing you have learned is that you don't even save. And it's good. Don't worry. You go will prosper in due season. Don't worry about it. He said five. That is he could do it. He said, but he chose not to. This is where I'm going. He chose to labor. He chose to just work for God, do everything. He left there broke, spent his own money on the fellowship. They built an auditorium during his tenure. Then he turned to me So I was waiting for him to tell me something strange. He said, That two years now, God has done nothing for him. I was looking at him. So when he finished, I said, Please, I'm waiting to hear what you have done that's to impress me. People were stealing, did not steal. They were lying with the name of the Lord. You did not lie with the name of the Lord. You did what an an average young Christian man should do and you are standing in my presence thinking God owes you something. Are you alright? I said, my friend, you have not done anything. I said, I was waiting to hear something impressive. What have you done? You did not join those who are not planning to live long. You you did not join those who are setting their destinies. You did not join those who I told him they will polish your shoes to eat. You did not join them. And I should be impressed. My friend. Why are we having this discussion? You have not done anything worthy of praise. Nothing. You have just shown me guys who have no destiny. No future. No hope. People who will not live long. And you want me to be impressed. You did not join them. I said God owes you nothing. You are sitting in front of me. You are breathing. You are alive. And you are not rejoicing. Because he told me a lot of things, that cyber crime, that he knows how to do it, that if you give him one week, he, make a, he will make a million. Some will say, oh, God will bless. I said, no, 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 there's no spe- You have not done anything yet. God will bless. How old are you? I said, okay, what do you want God to do for you? Oh, God will now open door now. I said, listen, you don't need money. That's how I'm going. he said, ah, as I was speaking, he was say, ah, daddy, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, You know, that day, my heart bled. I said, What have we, older men of God, done to these young people? When I was in school, when we were campus fellowship presidents, we were the only ones that couldn't take money from the fellowship. Ah, This young boy, he said, I don't know whether him or the guy before him had 35 aides. People following him about as a student. I said, You people will not prosper like this. Your future has been sold. I told him, mark my words. I said, write what I'm about to tell you down. All those of your friends who are not Christians, who are doing cyber crime, all of them will die young. No, I told him, I said, go and write it down. I said, all of them will die young. I said, the only one that will go with space, that will not die young, will be so poor, you will use him to teach your children how not to behave. I said, what have you done? I said, don't you understand? This spirit just saved your life. I said, you are living a normal life. You see your life, eh? I said, you are young. It is the time to be poor. It's time to be broke. I said, enjoy it. Hustle for no money. Listen, I'm talking about wrong programming. The program, the reminds of young people. So when you see a young boy, because he told me that his friends are all driving cars, flashy ones, and you are entering KK. Can't you see who is more blessed? It is good for a young man to be his bodies in the days of his youth. Those boys will be theirs when they are old. I don't know whether it's a Nigerian proverb or an African proverb. That an old man that rose up that rises up early to go to work is a young man that slept late. That this wake up very, you know, eleven o'clock in the morning, ten o'clock in the morning. That's how you're just waking up. I said, "Listen, this is the time to be poor. This is the time to be broke, and this is the time to rejoice in it." No, that day, I felt bad though, because I had not encountered people like him. And the young man, look, sincere. He didn't know better. He saved God. He told me many some more things. But you see, he God with a good heart, with an open heart. But we lied to him that when he has done that, money will now come. Breakthrough will now come. You will not be swimming in do- pounds and dollars. You know, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 Bishop, you know that your song? Fino. Uh-huh. You know that song? I like the song so much. The one that I said, Brother Fino is ministry. Father, Father. Father, Father, uh-huh. You know, I liked that song until Alameda opened up his mouth and began to rap. <laughs> you know, I like that song. When we get to Alameda, I said, why, why did Fino put this boy inside here to spoil this song? Why? Because he said, Now, pounds and dollars, me and my guys, they take a shower. I said, We are worshipping God here. You don't, this is not pounds and dollars. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so annoying. That song would have been a worship song. <laughs> Spoil the whole thing. Why, why did I annoy say Which one is pounds and dollars? And young boys will sing that song expecting that pounds and dollars is the blessing of God. It's not. That's what, I'm call, that's what I call wrong programming. So people's young men, young boys, young girls, their hope snatched away. Snatched, snatched. From Facebook, There's no chance. You sit down there, scam the whole nation. And apart from that, can you see what happened to Mavrodi himself? Where's Mavrodi? You don't know. (laughs) People who pray fire prayer, you you collect their money. People that pray fire prayer, you collect their money. First, those who listen to Pastor Banky did not patronize you, number one. So, the one that been begging them not to pray, die by fire, they didn't hear me. <laughs> Those who are paralyzing were already going to die by fireplaces. When their money went, they came together. Guys, Mavrodi, die by fire. <laughs> Mavrodi is gone. And all his assistants, one by one. It's, it's, it's clear that's what's going to happen. It happens all the time. The Lord is good. Ah, I've not even gotten to my message. I'm just warming up. No, seriously, you know I'm not lying to you. We're supposed to be a school of prayer, right? It's talking about pr- prisoners of hope. How to pray with hope? I'm not even reached there. I'm warming up. But le- to let you know how the evil spirits move. Yes. Look, listen. This is like you were saying earlier. They say we need psychologists. Psychologists save the commit suicide. Some psychologists don't know anything when they sit down there. When are me talking to you, they pass their depression onto you. There are some kind of message. Look, when you want to start, say, hey, don't talk to my friend. Sit down there. In the name of Jesus, what cast I evil spirit? Don't come and throw something on my head. And there's one I reckon Hagen talk about. Said the young, the man, his wife brought him to him. His wife had left him. Actually, okay, the woman only agreed to come because he agreed. She agreed to come back because they agreed to go and seek Kenneth Hagen. He was a psychologist who was studying, you know, criminals, serial killers. As he was studying them and studying them, he didn't know when the spirit possessed him. Why was his wife going to leave him? Because he had started molesting small girls. And the guy said it himself that he realized where it was going, that one day he's going to kill one of them. And then they will either execute him or put him no, he said he would be executed because in a state where they kill people in the U.S. That was when he panicked and came to see Ken Hagen. Ken Hagen said, he said, the moment the man, as we were talking, he just saw them. No, he just perceived that the man had two evil spirits sitting inside his body there. And he told them straight. He said, do you have two evil spirits? I can cast them out now, but it won't do you any good. So go home with your evil spirits. Oh God, why? He said if I cast them out they will return each one with seven spirits more dangerous than themselves. He said okay, what do we do? He said okay, on one condition I will pray for you. That you will do everything I am about to tell you. This guy was a he had a PhD in psychology. He said number one you will take all your psychology books and burn them. Your profession is your problem. As far as I am concerned if you want me to help you you will never read any one of them again. So the man said, no problem. So number two, you will promise that every day you will read your Bible. He gave him about two or three conditions. The man agreed to all of them. As far as I understand, the most important one is the burning. Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah. To burn those books is the most important decision he had to take. So when the man agrees told them, let us pray. They cast the two spirits out of him. They ran away. Sharp, sharp. And the man's life returned perfectly to normal. But he had to burn those books. And so then there's somebody would be pouring his, his evil spirit on you. So you say, you're a psychologist. You go soon, die. <laughs> there are some things that are not psychology. It's, it's, these are evil spirits. How can somebody just film himself committing suicide? After drinking poison, now, plus these things. And please, can I beg you for something? Never watch it. Yes, sir. And for those of you who have seen such a video and forwarded it, I pray for you right now that the Lord will forgive you. Amen. But don't do it again. Because each time you forward you bring a curse into your own life. Yes. Listen, these are biblical principles. How beautiful on the mountains at the feet of him that does what? bears good tidings. He's a cursed man who bears evil tidings. Don't go around forwarding rubbish. Let me quickly tell you all the people that have been forwarding what's wrong with the country. It's your destiny you've been forwarding into the sea. Now, that's not a joke. You know, I, I will let you know when I'm laughing. All those that have been forwarding headsmen are killing people. It's your destiny. They're each forward. River Niger. Each forward. River Niger. They're washing them to Atlantic. When Mammy Water Spirit they, they are using people. <laughs> Listen. Many people's destiny. Look, Mami Water is need to do party. I wish you could go to the bottom of the sea at night. <laughs> the blessed person forwards good news. That's what blessed people do. They forward what? Good tidings. Good tidings. Good tidings. Why should somebody lose hope because of your phone? There are people that look every time they forward something to you. Your hope is going down. You just are losing hope. You are getting depressed by the day. Have you noticed that such people, now notice this, you will notice something. Such people never forward to you when power generation increases. Have you noticed? They don't forward it to you. They will never forward to you when soldiers raid the camp of kidnappers in the bush. They never forward it. But if anybody's kidnapped two, three times, people are kidnapped two, three along the road, they forward to you. They will never forward to you when a great thing is done by Nigerians somewhere. They don't forward it. So you see, you can easily divide, divide people into two groups. Those who bear good tidings and those who bear bad news. Let's not classify other people. Classify yourself. Because, no, the people don't do both. No, I've noticed it. Those who fought bad things, nine times out of ten, let's remove jokes, you understand? You know, comics and all of that. Look, my class group, if you fall something, by reading your name, I know what, I know what to expect. Yes. This is what I'm making. Don't let anybody take your hope. We have a practical step we have identified today. Those who spread bad news, walk away from them. If necessary, block their number. Chat only with those who who provoke you unto love and good works, who provoke you unto faith, who stir up your hope. Let me give you some practical things. True. I am not lying to you. Eh? About this country as an example. This country is far better than it was 25 years ago. And that's not a joke. I'm not lying. I am not ju- I'm not trying to psych you. Another point I should give you, if you're a failure in Nigeria, you're in America. If you're a failure in Nigeria, geograph change of geographical location will not improve your chance of prosperity. I hope you know that. Too. Oh. <laughs> they don't seem to believe it. It's like his news. Guaranteed. You see the the way you are living your life here, when you get there, the same thing. The only difference if you go to Canada, you'll see boat you to buy easily. To calm your that's only look, that's the only thing that will be different. You have to assess it. <laughs> But listen, if you are frustrated here, you will be doubly frustrated there. Guaranteed. If you don't want to be frustrated, look for where you are needed. If you are frustrated in life, the worst place to go is where nobody thinks specially about you. You know that human relationship is more important than any other thing in being successful in this life. In being happy. Human relationship is more important. In fact, my friend lives in the U.S. look, it's no, he's a doctor. It's known that one of the things that drive immigrants' mental is loss of status. Immigrants, it, they literally be, they become mental. You know what they call frustration? The point I'm making is this. Listen, if you suddenly become irrelevant in life, that is when you know you have problems. Money, what are you saying? Money does not prevent people from coming to suicide. It, oh no, it doesn't. Chris Okote said in his days, the days of uh, Dodomine. <laughs> you don't know Dodomine? <laughs> <laughs> when Chris Okote was a reigning musician in Nigeria? Yeah, it was the two days of his time. Chris Okote was a student in UNEC. He used to fly from Lagos for lectures. He was living. you know, now you have what uh, name of these boys, Whiskeyed, Davido. Yeah, he was the Davido of, the, of his days. Money was flowing everywhere. He had, to, he used to fly, get my point. Lost in the eunuch. He would fly from Lagos for lectures, then fly back in the evening, back to uh, Federal Palace Hotel. He said, what people did not know is that at night he would open the window with an intense desire to jump out of the window and end it all. Many people are envying David, David, whiskey now. If you know what the boys are struggling with, I think it's just ordinary, like we say now. Ordinary, I where two boys sit down, overdose on drugs in his parking in his, in his parking lot. One of the most talented musicians the world has ever seen, Prince, he died alone in a lift, in his house, drug overdose. If you think money will solve your problems, like my brother will say, you don't know what they call problems yet. You don't know that the lack of money is where God is focusing you on immediate problems, too, so you won't think of serious things. God has checked. If I give this guy too much, he'll start thinking serious matter. He'll die. So what do I do? Keep him occupied for every week. He'll get his job for one week. He'll hustle, hustle. But at the end of that week, he'll get some money. Before I finish spending it, I'll give him another job. Keep him busy. So at his age, if I give him serious things to think about. (laughs) The Lord is good. Only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Satisfaction, safety is only in God. Please don't let anybody take away your hope. God is taking you somewhere great in life. Even though your beginning is small, your latter end shall greatly increase. That is a matter of fact. God will make you into what he designed you to be. There is nothing that you are going through that people have not gone through many more things than this. They still did not stop their destiny from manifesting. With all the hard work that Joseph did, he ended up in the in prison. They lied against him. So what's the big deal? Listen, many people went to prison. Many people died there. But for Joseph, it was a stepping stone to his destiny. So don't be angry when you are wrongly imprisoned. Interpret it spiritually. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your hope must never be snatched away. Let's bow down our heads and let us pray. We'll continue from this point next time. Let just say, Father, thank you for hope. That's what I just wanted to say today. Say, Lord, thank you for hope. Say, Lord, I, I resist the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of despondency, I resist it. I resist it. The spirit of despondency. The spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness. I resist it. I resist the spirit of heaviness. You not stay in my life. I'm full of the spirit of praise. I'm full of praise, I'm full of praise, I'm full of thanksgiving. God is working my life. Just give him thanks. Let's continue to thank the Lord and say, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word this evening. Thank you, Lord, for hope revived again. Thank you. Your hope we are sure of that tomorrow because you are with us. We thank you. We give you praise forever. Thank you. Thank you for hope.